All right, I think it's time to finish it up from last week. We are back. Yes. We have have more of the conversation. Let's get back into it this week on Dropping Sunday. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to Dropping Sunday. I'm one of your hosts, Seth. This is Andrea. And in case this is your first time, Dropping Sunday is a semi-reverent look at Christian pop culture. Just a couple of notes. We are not here to get you saved. We're also not here to tick you off. Although, if either of those... If either of those things happen. Easy for you to say. Yeah, I know, right? We would like to know for sure. Yeah, this is a podcast by Christians for Christians, but you definitely don't need to believe to belong. This week, we're just going to finish up our conversation that we started last week with uh, Andrea's dad, Pastor Al, uh, all about uh, really arguments that ex-evangelicals have made whenever they're leaving the church. Um, Last week was completely fascinating. If you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it. But uh, otherwise, guys... How's your heart? Can I say something before you do that? Sure. I, I want to. Uh, I still want to talk about and wrap this up before and I ever. I'm sorry. Before my wife and I. Uh, before Andrea's mom. Andrea's mom. mom. There yeah. you go. I had to remember who I was talking about. That's okay. Uh, before we uh, planned our wedding, we had already committed. We had, we were setting a date, but we weren't had planned everything yet. I said. Uh, uh, I, I said, there's something I really want us to talk about. I said, I want you to know I don't need you. And uh, she said, well, I don't need you either. <laughs> I said, then let's go ahead and make it now that we will never say I need you. I said, I want you. I don't have control over my needs. And so I don't, I'm not going to build our relationship on need, but I will build it on desire. And from the time I told you I loved you, you are the only woman I have desired, and that will be true for the rest of our life. And I can tell you that is just as true today as it was 50, 52, almost 53 years ago. That's awesome. That's so, great. All right. Um, yeah. Okay, so when we, several weeks ago, you and I were discussing this podcast and this episode, and there had just been another person come out to say that they were no longer a Christian. Uh, it's a gentleman by the name of John Steinberg. He was the lead singer of a Christian band named uh, Hawk Nelson, which I'm assuming you've never heard of Hawk Nelson. No. <laughs> and so... Why? <laughs> I, um, well, because every time I get in his truck, the only station that's playing on the radio is classical. So I assumed he did not listen to Hawk Nelson. So, John Steinberg was the lead singer of Hawk Nelson. He was raised in a Christian home, raised in a pastor's home. You read this article, and one of the things that he talked about was that when he came out and started his questions, because his wife's dad is also a pastor. He said so many people would tell him, well, you just have to go back to the Bible. You have to go go to the Bible to get your answers. And this is what he said. I found the Bible didn't answer my questions. It only amplified them. Why does God seem so angry in the Old Testament? And then all of a sudden, he's a loving father in the New Testament. Why does he say not to kill and then instruct Israel to turn around and kill men, women, and children just to take the promised land? 
Why does God let Job suffer horrible things just to, and this is his words, win a bet with Satan? Uh, Why does he tell Abraham to kill his son and then basically say, just kidding, that was a test? Why does Jesus have to die for our sins? If God can do anything, can't he forgive without someone dying? So there's a lot to unpack there. So let's talk first of all about his statement that the Bible didn't answer his questions. They only amplified them. Okay, let, let, let me go back uh, to set it in the context, because when I came back, when I came back to the Jesus I never knew, uh, I really dived in. And it was back in the time of the Jesus movement in California. So I was reading everything I could read about the Jesus movement. And I, I read uh, serendipitously. I came up on stuff. Life magazine had a whole run uh, about the Jesus movement. And, and then I found this uh, coffee table book, and it was by, written by the uh, person who wrote that article for Life magazine, traveled out there, told how that— uh, when they asked him to go, they said the, the photographers are already out there. They're getting pictures and everything. So he calls them, you know, and he said, uh, well, I want to know, you know, is this thing for real? Oh, hallelujah, it's real. And he said, I almost backed out because I didn't want to go with people who said hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, I was raised Catholic. That meant I went to Mass once a year, or, you know, the confession. He said, I don't even remember the last time. So, but anyhow, he was— he was uh, uh, setting this thing up, and he went through the the whole thing, and then about six months later, he went back uh, to California and back to the people that he had uh, interviewed the time before, and he said, "I just want to know is this real?" And by the time he got to the last one, who happened to be a physicist at uh, I think it was UCLA, but one of the uh, California colleges. And he, he's talking to him, and and uh, the guy, he said, how do you reconcile physics and faith? And so the guy just gave him a good answer. He said, well, I'm ready. And the man said, ready for what? I'm ready to get saved, get right with Jesus, whatever <laughs> you guys are doing. I want it. And so that, you know, I, I read all of that that stuff, and I was very, very moved by it. I, I loved the, the picture of the hippie movement the moving into the Jesus people, the Jesus movement. And I remember the question that or the statement that I heard over and over again from that group, and it, it resonated with me. It said the church is answering questions that nobody's asking. And even as a believer and now I'm committed. I'm going to live for God every day the rest of my life. I've, nothing has changed that in 55 years. But there were questions I had, and, and nobody was w- would respond to my questions. They, they, well, you don't, you know, just don't even go there. I was told that, you know, don't even go there, Al. Well, I'm going to go there, you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm just too stubborn and, and hard-headed not to. I'm going to go there. And— uh, and and so over the years, I've had this this real, uh, I don't even know how to say it. it. It it's been not a love hate relationship. It's not that at all. But it's been a a go after it and then a back off with the Bible, uh, the Bible. 
And, and so I have an advantage that a lot of people don't have. My, my major in college was languages. I studied French, Spanish, German, and sign language. So I got four languages besides <laughs> English. And, uh, and, and I learned that you just don't assume that something means what it sounds like it's saying. You know, there's four versions of every communications, what you said, what you thought you said, what the person thought they heard, and what they really heard. You know, so you've got these four things, and the Bible is full of that. Yeah. It, it's, it's communication, and people say, oh, it's all communication from God. I really, I've asked my classes for years at, you know, Brownsville Revival School of Ministry, at Heartland School of Ministry. Uh, how many of you believe every word in the Bible is true? Amen. Yeah. I said, well, I'm sorry. You just said that the devil speaks truth because the devil is recorded in the Bible. <laughs> you know, uh, what about Job's comforters? You've got these these three guys. Uh, we'll leave Elihu out of it. But we, you've got these three guys who are just, you know, pouring out everything on Job, poor Job, and and get to the last chapter, and God talks to the ringleader, Eliphaz the Temanite, and he says, Eliphaz, get some bulls and goats and take them to Job's house. You offer up the sacrifice and let Job pray for you. You said wrong things about me. I'll listen to Job. I mean, what God was saying was, don't bother talking to me. I ain't listening. Well, I don't know if he would say ain't, but he, now, I'm not listening. But go to Job, and I'll listen to Job and let him pray for you. And, and why? Because you didn't say right things about me. And, and, and so whenever I, I see this stuff in the Bible, I realize that not everybody who's speaking is speaking for God. Is that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, my, I hope I'm not saying something here that says, oh, you don't believe the Bible. I believe in the Bible, man. I have read the Bible. I have my Bible highlighted, highlighted from cover to cover. I, I just, you know, well, not anymore because I got it on my phone. But, <laughs> you know, I can read it French, Spanish, and I can't read German, uh, and I can't read sign language on my phone. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> Somebody needs to get started on that app, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Add that one. Oh. Uh, but uh, I, I love the Bible. I loved preaching it in sign language because I had to. I had to make the whole Bible concrete. Mm. You know, it, it's got to be visible. If you if you can't see it, uh, you don't get it. If you're deaf, you, you know, you don't build the abstract thought processes unless you're a Helen Keller. You know, there there have always been some who. Uh, man, I talk with my hands. All I got to sit on my hands to quit <laughs> waving them around. But anyhow, the the fact is the Bible's written in languages. It's written in Hebrew. It's written in Chaldee. It's written in uh, uh, Hebrew, in uh, Greek. It, it's it, the and then you have, I, I guess in my in my library I've got fifteen or twenty different translations, uh, and plus I've got Chinese Bible, Arabic Bible. I, I you know I've just got a whole shelf full of Bibles in all kinds of languages. And believe me, a Vietnamese Bible, I've preached a lot in Vietnam, and I always sit down with my interpreter, and I take them to the Scripture, and I say, now I want you to tell me word for word what the Vietnamese says here. Yep, you have to. Because it's going to be a little different. Mm-hmm. And otherwise, I'll be talking a language in English, not, and then they'll be trying to interpret it into Vietnamese, and it won't be saying what the Bible says to them. And so because of that, understanding that I have, 
I don't get bent out of shape over what the Bible says that I don't like. I just don't do it. It's not worth it because it's, <laughs> Mark Twain said this one time. He said, it's not the stuff uh, I don't understand that bothers me. It's the stuff I do understand. And my dad always interpreted that as, you know, well, the, what I do understand makes me feel guilty. No, what he was saying was the stuff I do understand I hate. Yeah. <laughs> and so, the, you know, whatever he meant by that, it the Bible is, is not— uh, it's I don't know how to say this. It's a supernatural book if you allow the supernatural Holy Spirit to guide you when you read it. If you're just reading it to be reading it, believe me, you'll be confused. But if you just, I've said this to atheists, do you have a Bible in your house? Go home, open it up, and say these words, whether you believe it or not, say, Holy Spirit, direct my understanding, and then read the Bible. And, and, you know, I believe that. I believe that whenever you do that and, and you're led by the Holy Spirit, you're going to get. Now, can I go ahead and just get kind of mean here? Uh, that, uh, have you, you've never, clearly you've never listened to the show, but yes, <laughs> that is allowed. I, uh, when I think about all of these people who have, you know, turned from the faith, I want to say, They've never known what the faith is. The faith throughout the New Testament is very explicit. The faith is the saving faith, the gospel, the truth about Jesus Christ. The faith is is very explicit. It's not just something that you have. It's the content of what you believe. It's not the. It's not just the words. It's not just the idea. It's the full content of what you believe. And so they, they say they've turned from the—when I, when I became an atheist, I was not turning away from stuff. Uh, actually, the Bible never came into my de- thinking or my decision at all when I became an atheist. It was not part of my uh, rationale for leaving. I had a lot of questions. My biggest questions were— why were there 1,500 denominations all calling themselves Christian, and they got them all got it from the same Bible? You know, that bothered me a little bit. How do you answer that? How did I answer that? Uh, you know, it, it, because I have really good friends in denominations that believe you're not saved until you've been baptized in water and taken your first communion, all right? Uh, real good friends, yes, dear friends. And and I've had um, I've had real I had a hard time with the Catholics, okay, because I grew up with this uh, attitude because my dad traveled a lot in Mexico, the persecution was horrible between the Catholic Church and the Evangelicals, so I grew up with that. So I'm on a job one day, the the big charismatic renewal is going on, we're, we're busting concrete, and I've got this big Mexican man right here beside me. And, and we're running these 75-pound jackhammers taken out of a concrete wall. And, and so we're just talking all day, you know, nothing deep. But that afternoon, whenever uh, we put up our tools, he gathered all the laborers around, and he's preaching to them in Spanish. And we'd never said anything in Spanish together, so he didn't know I understood it. So I'm sitting there listening. He's over in the uh, first gospel, I mean the first uh, John 
First John, I believe it's chapter four, and he quoted the scripture. And I, I'm just sitting there listening. And man, he's laying out a powerful gospel salvation message to those laborers. And so I um, waited till the next morning. And whenever we're sharpening our bits, I said, "Man, I really appreciated what you were saying to the laborers last night." He said, "What? You understand Spanish?" I said, "Yeah." I said, "That's my degree was in Spanish and French," and. Uh, I said, if you don't mind my asking, what church do you go to? I go to St. Mary's Catholic. And then he stopped and he said, but I'm spirit-filled. <laughs> and so when, it, when he said that, it was like God just broke all of my resistance, everything off of me. We threw our arms around each other. And in front of all those laborers, we're dancing in circles around that job. And uh, it, was, it was one of the best moments of my life. But what... What I handled at that time was I'd let it bother me. What I handled since that time, if you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, you believe God raised him from the dead, we can talk about everything else later. That makes us brothers. Yeah. We talk about closed-handed issues and open-handed issues, yes. right? So we're, if it's in the open hand, yeah, it's an open hand, right? Yeah. But the close, we're going to hold on to the ones with the closed hand. Sorry, I, I got you off track a little bit, but you were talking about whenever you left the faith, you really weren't considering the Bible, you were considering these other things. Right. And so, and so when I came back, I'm reading the Bible with new eyes. Yeah. I'm a new creation in a new new creation world, and, and the Word of God came alive. You know, the, when Jesus was raised from the dead, he, well, before he died, he was trying to get his disciples to understand some things. And boy, he had problems with Thomas, with Philip. You know, with them, you know, he said, you know, I'm, I'm going, and where I'm going, you know. And Thomas said, we don't know where you're going. <laughs> and uh, so then he, uh, Philip chimes in. He said, just show us the Father, and it'll be sufficient. Philip, I've been with you three years. I've been with you so long. You don't know yet that, that when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That, you know, I've been here in person. The Godhead is in me. I'm, the, I'm with you. And, and uh, they just didn't get it. Three years that they didn't get it. And, and so in the upper room on another occasion, he's talking with them, and it says he opened their minds and they understood. And see, that's where the problem is. People are reading the Bible out of their own minds with mm, their own questions, good. their own problems. But when the Spirit opens our minds, we see something different. I, I have the issues with all of the killing in the Old Testament. You know, I have that. And one day I was thinking about the Amalekites and, and why God said just utterly eliminate them. And this phrase went through my head. Did you get all of it? Did you get all of it? What, what, what's that? A person has cancer. Uh, yep. They're having surgery. Did you get the whole thing out? Okay, God knows what's a cancer on the human race. God knows what, what needed to be utterly removed. I can leave that up to his judgment, but I would like for the world to be a better place than even what it is today. And, and what it takes is for the Christian world living up to. Uh, I heard this, and uh, uh, Sam Harris, Sam Harris, you know, he's one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse, yeah. quote unquote. Uh, Hitchens has already gone on. He's found out the truth now. Uh, uh, Richard uh, 
Dawkins, Dawkins still yeah. around, considered the brightest man in, in England and can't hardly talk without contradicting himself. And uh, the the other one is uh, Daniel Dennett, Consciousness Explained, and even his peers said he didn't explain consciousness. He explained it away. He said there's not such a thing as consciousness. <laughs> okay, whatever you've got out there. I've read their books. I know their thinking. I know what they're trying to do. And, uh, and, and they can't. Uh, Sam Harris, he he said, you know, it would have been great if God had put one of the commandments, don't have slaves. Slavery is a curse on the human race, and why couldn't God make that a commandment? And I'm sitting there, he did, stupid. I, excuse me. Uh, he did. Stupid, you, I did it. I, I, that was me. That, that was, uh, Say it for him. Yeah. I said, all you have to do is go back to Jesus whenever the lawyer said, what is the greatest commandment? Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. I love all four of those added, you know, Mark, I think, added an extra word there. Oh, and the second greatest commandment of all, love your neighbor as yourself. Nobody wants to be a slave, so absolutely that is a law against slavery. There's no, you, I don't care who you are, you can't argue your way out of that because Jesus said it, and it was the golden rule, not the silver rule, which is never do to anyone what you wouldn't want them to do to you. There's a big philosophical difference, difference between there. those two. So there is that command. It's in the Bible. <laughs> and, and a lot of times people just don't understand that, like, the Bible isn't a textbook. Nope. It's and it's not it's not a science textbook, you know. It's it's not it's not all it's also not um, prescriptive. A hundred percent. A lot of the Bible is descriptive. Descriptive, yes, sir. It's not prescriptive. It's like this happened. Here's what we can learn from it. But it doesn't say this is what you should do. There's poetry in the Bible. Oh, there's yeah. a great, I mean, amazing poetry. There's there's songs that are written in the Bible. There's narrative that's in the Bible, and there's there's history lessons, and there's there's lineages that tell stories, and all of these things are so much bigger than. Hey, I, I I bought I bought a book at at the at the Barnes and Noble, and I read it. And it was cool. It's not that. No, yeah. it's not that. There's there's so much there. So that's yeah. I, I heard a testimony from a former Muslim. Uh, he was from Algeria, and uh, Algeria is one of the hardest nations on earth as far as uh, Islam is concerned. And and this guy, his uh, taken name was David Muad. And uh, that's not his real name because he was studying to be a doctor. He is now a practicing doctor in Algeria. The last time I talked to him was years ago, but he had 13 underground churches in that country. Incredible young man, incredible young man. Do we need to bleep that name? No, David Muad is fine. That's it's a it's not his real name. Okay. And so just, it's a nom de plume or something like that. Okay, just check. Nom de Christian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, but he said that, that he was in his dormitory room, bored out of his mind at medical school. And he remembered that an uncle of his had given him a box of books that he had never even opened up. So it was in the closet. So he goes and pulls it out, opened it, and right on top was a Bible. He closed it real quick, shoved it back. He said, I could get killed for having that Bible. 
And so he left it alone. But a few days later, again, he's bored. So he pulled it out. Now his curiosity has peaked, and he's looking at the Bible, and he says, uh, uh, here's a book. He looked at the table of contents. He said, here's a book called Proverbs. You know, and he gave the uh, Arabic word for Proverbs. And he said, surely there could not be anything wrong with reading Proverbs. He read Proverbs and became a Christian. <laughs> wow. You know, and, and you would say, well, wh- how Proverbs? I don't know. I really don't know how the Holy Spirit does it, but the Holy Spirit did it. Yeah. And, and this guy, uh, he, he literally had to run for his life to get out of Algeria. He, he came across this dear missionary friend of mine who took him under his wing and, and actually had him registered for a medical school in South Carolina so he could finish his. And the Holy Spirit said, go back to Algeria and finish. And, and Willard said, but David, that will be a uh, death sentence for you. He said, the Holy Spirit told me to go, and he gave me a sign. So he went back, and then years later he came back, and our church bought him a brand-new uh, laptop computer because he needed it to keep track of all. Anyhow, I, and, and by the way, that, that thing you read a while ago about miracles, mm-hmm. I, I don't get that. I just flat out don't get somebody saying there aren't miracles. I, when I took that church in Mississippi— I said, if you don't see signs, wonders, and miracles under my ministry, I'm not a valid preacher. I just and and I mean, you know, people just sat up at that. They thought, well, I, miracles are just a part of what we're what we are. I, man, I've experienced so many miracles. I can't I, if I start telling them, it's just one after another after another. And, and so I I just don't understand either. He was in the wrong kind of a church where there weren't ever miracles, but I just don't know if it's a real Christian church if you don't see miracles. I don't mean every Sunday, but I mean if you don't see and hear the testimonies of miracles, that is part of who and what we are as Christians. That's good. Yeah, I think it's it's possible that he doesn't have an understanding of what a miracle is. That's very possible. So, well, one one final thing that I, I want to talk about, this, this has been good, I've but I read this statement. This is from, from John Steinberg. And this is kind of what he closed his his uh, Instagram post with. He said, Jess, his wife, and I both always had this sense that we weren't doing enough of the things we were supposed to do as Christians. Uh-huh. He said, we didn't enjoy going to church. We didn't enjoy reading the Bible. We didn't enjoy praying. We didn't enjoy worship. It felt like an obligation, and our lack of enthusiasm about those things always made us feel like something was wrong with us. And I feel like that takes us full circle and back to, uh, we talked about it earlier, it's not the fear of hell that leads someone to repentance. It's the goodness of God. And I think, what would you say to someone who says it feels like an obligation? What would you tell them? What would you tell them? Well, you know, I said it a while ago, and I stick by it. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and do what you please. And and so this this is, by the way, it is established on the Word of God. and, And Paul said it is God who is at work in you to will and do of his good pleasure. See, that to me just changed everything. I, I mean, I was asking God, what do I do now? What's it, what, do what you want. 
Do what you want. I'm the one who's working on your want to. You know, do what you want. I remember telling Anthony, I, I, I said Anthony because he was a football player, small, uh, definitely not college or, or NFL type material, but he was, I had parents tell me that they went to the games to see Anthony play and their own son was playing. <laughs> they wanted, they went to see Anthony play because he was exciting. He was, he was always out there giving it 110%. I said, Anthony, when do you feel the most alive? He said, dad, whenever that I, he was quarterback, whenever I, I hiked the ball, get it in my hands and I'm backing up looking for my wide receiver down he said, Dad, I feel so alive. I said, son, do that for Jesus, and you can do it the rest of your life, and you'll please him. He'd never heard anything like that. You know, pleasing God, playing football, absolutely. God gives us talents. He gives us gifts. He gives us these things, and he wants us to be fulfilled. Yeah. You know, I, I can tell you flat out, uh, this Monday, tomorrow morning, 9 o'clock, going to join my Zoom class, seven or eight students from around the country, and I'm going to be teaching for one hour, and I absolutely will feel like I'm just on the outskirts of heaven right there because that's my calling. It's what I love to do. I love to do the preparation, and I love to do the teaching. And and I don't, I can't think of anything that makes me happier. Uh, I love my family, but I teach all the time, don't I? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> well, you know, I I heard it. Uh, I heard it put this way. Actually, in the last couple of weeks, I'd never heard it this way. Is that we have a rule book that we have to follow, right? Sports analogy, right? Every team in the NFL has to follow the same rules, but every team also has its own playbook, and those plays vary differently. For teams, offense, defense, special teams, they all they all vary so differently, but they all fall within the same rules. And just because someone does runs one play really well doesn't mean that it's in the rule book. It means that it's allowed might be allowed in the rule book, but it's just in their playbook. And so it, it may be that, like, you know, for example, I don't know, you know, you may you may be like, I've tried a podcast and it's terrible, but I like listening to Seth and Andrea. Well, okay. That's it's in our playbook. You know, it's just not in your playbook and that's okay. It doesn't mean that you're missing out on what God has for you because you're not doing something that you find admirable somewhere else. And that's something that like when, when he's talking about, Oh, I, we, we feel like we're supposed to do this and we're supposed to do this. who says, right. is, is it in the Bible that you have to do that? No, is it in the Bible that you have to be on worship team? No, it's not. It's not there. So if you're like, ah, I don't really want to do music anymore, then don't do music. That doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't still love you. <laughs> right. You know, like, oh, you know what? I just, I don't really feel like, uh, I don't really like home groups. Okay, don't do a home group. You know, that's right. that's fine. What are you doing? What are you passionate about? What is something that you do love? And it could be, well, I love doing barbecue. All right, how do you do barbecue for Jesus? That's your playbook. And by oh, the way, right. I want can I can I sign up for your ministry? Right. Can, <laughs> yeah. How do I get in there? <laughs> oh, that's, that's good. That's awesome. That's good. All right. Well, what do you think? I mean, I feel like that's been 
that, that, that's a lot. That's I, a lot. Do you have anybody else that you want to talk? Any other? Any? I mean, listen. I feel like we got again. I feel like we had a jukebox and we can just put a quarter in. <laughs> well, let me share this because yes. because that analogy you just shared is really good. I, I like that. Uh, I, I saw this whenever I was studying the origin of life, the origin of the universe, the origin of life. These are these are my three pet peeves with the the atheistic world. They cannot answer the origin of the universe. They say stupid stuff. The the universe created itself from nothing. Really? <laughs> if it was there to create itself, then it was already there. It wasn't <laughs> nothing. <laughs> right. So there wasn't nothing, and then it was already there, so it couldn't create itself because it was already there to create. They don't see They'll just say those things blithely, you know, and, and, and it's, it's just, I'm sorry, it's just ignorance is what it is. But... Uh, the, the consciousness, they have no clue where consciousness came from uh, or life. They have no clue. I love to show a picture of a live dog and a dead dog. I say the only difference between these two is that somebody left the premises. Now, what does that mean about life and death? All of the same chemicals are there. Everything is there but life. And, and so anyhow, those are things I, well, I'm, I'm studying, really thinking about what does the New Testament mean when it when God said, "Don't partake of the fruit of any"? You can partake of the fruit of any tree in the garden, but don't eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Why was that? I mean, I've heard a lot of people say, "Well, God just didn't want us to have knowledge." No, that's wrong. He never said knowledge. He said the knowledge of good and evil. And it hit me one day, whenever you know good and evil, then you have to have rules. Do the good, don't do the evil. Well, how do we define it? Well, this is good, this is evil, this is good, this is evil. Do this, don't do this. And you wind up with 10 commandments, and then you wind up with 300 and something, almost 380, I don't know, it's a lot of little laws written around all of the other laws, and you live a life that is just constrained by the rules, by the law. And so that is what Christians have never understood, that we're not under the law. You know, Paul said it extremely well in Romans chapter 6, verse 15. Shall we sin since we are not under the law but under grace? Shall we sin? No. Well, what is sin for the person who's not under the law? Well, sin is doing something that you really don't have the faith to do, that you don't have uh, the go-ahead. You know before you do it that you shouldn't do it. You know that. You don't have to have somebody tell you that. You know it. Why? Because the Spirit said so. And so the New Testament uh, idea is is expressed in Romans uh, 8.14, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. If you're led by the Spirit of God, you don't have a, a bunch of laws you got to live under. I had a Teen Challenge graduate tell me, oh, Pastor Al, you know, we guys from Teen Challenge, we have to have laws. I said, really? I said, do you think the Holy Spirit's ever going to lead you to commit an adultery? Well, no. You think the Holy Spirit's going to lead you to tell a lie? Well, no. Do you think the Holy Spirit's going to lead you to steal? No. The Holy Spirit's not going to lead us in any of that garbage, but we don't have to worry about it. Just walk in the Spirit, 
and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And it's all so clear, though, the Christian walk is the easiest walk in the world if you walk in the Spirit. Because you don't have to think about it. You can just do it without thinking. <laughs> well, that's yeah. not really true. but Not exactly. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you can do it based off of the, the leading, you know, if you're being yeah. sensitive to it. So, yeah, that's, that's good. You know, he, he, I'll say this, though. If you're not spirit-filled, but you're trying to do it right, it's okay to have the rules because that sets your boundaries. Uh, we talk about how our daughter is a beautiful and strong river, but she has to have really high banks. Otherwise, she'll destroy cities. Um, that's just that's just how, how it is. You know? That's a good analogy. But everywhere inside the river, she's allowed to play, but she's got to have those high banks for, for her. And then one day she'll realize, hey, what's on the other side of those banks? Oh, it's not for me. And then she'll go on. So... Um, Speaking of not for me, Andrea, we do a segment every week where we call, it's called not for me, where it's just, it, it's a perfectly good thing. You may, other people may like it. I just don't like it. It's just not for me. It's just not for me. So sounds good. Um, yeah. So my not for me is a, f- a few weeks ago, there was a storm in the middle of the night and at four thirty in the morning, there was some really loud thunder and I live in a third story apartment. Ooh. It felt like an earthquake. Yeah. Woke me up right out of a dead sleep. So that is not for me. I like to I like rain at night, but I don't like the thunder waking me up like it that. It is so weird that you say that because the other night when it was raining outside, I was sitting there thinking, I used to turn on a sound machine to listen to rain <laughs> to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And um, I can't do that anymore because... <laughs> The sound of rain freaks my dog out. Oh no! <laughs> uh, our little miniature Schnauzer, Maxwell. You've met him. He I think have. he thinks he's tough. Um, he and, bit me the last time I saw him. I think. Well, did he really? That's a. We'll put him down. <laughs> and so yeah, right. I'm, just I'm, I'm just kidding, guys. I'm just kidding. Wow, <laughs> Julie, I am so sorry. I did not tell him to say that. <laughs> it was all her idea. All his idea. Um, but we found out if we give him a little Mickey, like a little, you know, a little, uh, little Xanax, a little. Um, like Benadryl or something? No, no, like legit. Oh, like for real? Like a benzodiazepine. Yeah, absolutely. We got it from the doctor. Guys, we're not just giving them stuff from our stash. <laughs> Calm down. And so uh, and so we give them half of a dose. And, and usually in about 30 minutes to an hour, this dog is chill. He's good. But the other night, there was, and it might have been, it might have been that same storm Probably, that you were yeah. talking about. It had rained earlier in the day, so we gave it to him earlier in the day, and then we just kind of didn't realize that there was another storm coming at night, and and, and Maxwell ended up on my face, <laughs> and I don't understand how he shakes that fast. It's like, you know, the old Tickle Me Elmo dolls, you know, the, the third time that you tickle the Elmo, it shakes real fast. Yeah. That's what it was. That's how I woke up, um, and I was like, oh, you know what? I wasn't planning on this one, but. Yeah, my my dog's anxiety is not for me. <laughs> not for you, <laughs> definitely not. Every time I think, I, I go through a period of, oh, maybe maybe I need a pet. Maybe I need I need a dog. Then it's, I have a, I have someone tell me a story, and it changes my mind. Yeah. So I don't want to have to pick up their poop, and I don't want them uh, having anxiety and waking me up in the middle of the night. So there you go. No pets for Andrea right now. <laughs> not, not right now, not Pastor. Right now. Pastor, Al, you got a not for me. Do I have a not for me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, well, where'd this list come from? It's like six pages long. I didn't it's even tell him. He just keeps space. that with him. <laughs> well, it, yeah, Andrea brought it up. Music, music is really important. I love music. I, 
I, I'm not a good musician. I don't have a good ear. I play the piano. I played tuba in in uh, high school and college band. Uh, Plays the accordion. Play the accordion. I picked up a saxophone. I learned how to play, and I went in and played a song uh, for my mom. And I said, "Did you uh, recognize that?" She <laughs> said, uh, "Yeah, that was uh, the old rugged cross, wasn't it?" And I said. Yeah, well, that's good. I can play a sax. I put it. I never touched one <laughs> since. That was it. <laughs> but uh, but music is is really really important to me it's to the point that I almost never listen to music except when I'm in my truck and I'm on WRR classical music <laughs> and that you know I can get lost in that I I. I be driving south, and I'll listen to it till I'm out of range, and then then something will come on. You know, I don't want. I was telling a story one time about driving. I was about to go to sleep, so I put on country music because it always makes me so mad. There's no way I, go I got to sleep. it. Okay, makes sense. I was like, where are we going with this, Pastor? So all music except for classical music is not for you. Not all music. I, I love. I, <laughs> I mean, it was funny. I did not like uh, what was called gospel rock. But back then, it was different. You know, Andre Crouch, to me, was gospel rock. And so he was coming to uh, Will Rogers Coliseum, and I was uh, over the youth, and they all wanted to go. And I said, we don't want to go here. I didn't have a clue what I was talking about, but I said, we don't want to go hear that music. And But they convinced me, and we went. And, and you, you know, the Holy Spirit ambushed me right in the middle of it. Love From it. then on, I loved every song. I learned how to play every song he wrote. <laughs> I, I memorized the words to almost every song. Uh, so, you know, the Holy Spirit can, can break some of that off of me, God, because I started loving that kind. I owe it all to thee. I just figured I'd go ahead and play some Andre Crouch, because why not? Because <laughs> why not? Because he's good. We like Andre Crouch. So when you said gospel rock, I thought you were going to talk about like the the songs of of the Jesus movement, where they just took rock songs right. and added Jesus to it. Exactly. You know, exactly. Jesus was a man; they thought he was a loner. Okay, no, that's a <laughs> not for me. No, no. <laughs> All right, let's get into the B. Here we go. No, not the bees! Not the bees! Uh, Pastor, are you familiar with the Babylon Bee? Do you know what yes. that is? Okay, yes. fantastic. So every week we kind of get stung by the Babylon Beehive. This is one that hit me, and it hit me specifically in the heart. And uh, yeah, Netflix to automatically turn on subtitles when you turn 32. <laughs> <laughs> Netflix has implemented a new feature that automatically enables closed captioning or subtitles when a user <laughs> reaches age 32. Uh, quote, happy 32nd birthday. Subtitles have been automatically enabled. We'll read a prompt. Someone who has just turned 32. Wow. We'll read. So that's, um, have you ever been watching something and then Netflix pops up with the, are you still watching? Yes. Every time I feel so judged. <laughs> I know. I feel like, yeah, don't worry about yeah. it. I'm still watching. Yeah, I'm just still, I'm still watching. Don't worry. I don't, I'm wondering if I ever like, if I'm going to push like, yes, if it's going to be like, we'll stop. <laughs> we'll go outside yeah. for a little while. Take a walk. Do something else. <laughs> Goodness oh, no, not the beach. Not the beach. Ah! All right. Uh, Andrea, I think, I think that's a show. I think so. All right. Let's, uh, you ready to get out of here? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's do it. All right, this week's church helper from an anonymous pastor just says, 
doing church is 24-7. I like that. Uh, Pastor Al, how how do you feel about that? Doing church is 24-7. What do you think? I think that's it. Period. (laughs) I don't think there's no, there's any way to get around it. It's when you wake up, you should even dream. (laughs) (laughs) Dream about the church. It's not just what you're doing in the building. It's not just when you're doing service for the church. It is all the time. Yeah, see, I she practiced that with me when she was little. We would go into the mall, we would t- hold hands, and we would go in circles. We would, we would just, you know, we would live. It was marvelous. When she turned thirteen, all of a sudden, oh, daddy, don't do that. Oh, I was curious when I was going to get some shots fired, and I just got them. I am excited. All right, that's a show. But our thoughts and opinions are not the final word, dear listener. We would love to hear your thoughts about any of our topics today. Absolutely. Don't forget to like, follow, and comment on all of the social media platforms. We are at Dropping Sunday on all of the things: Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And as a reminder, for every comment. We receive on Apple Podcasts. We will do- donate one dollar to a charity or ministry. So just remember, the greatest compliment that you could give us is to tell a friend to listen to this episode or a different episode, and to subscribe for next week because we will be back. Until then, this is Seth. This is Andrea, and this is Dropping Sunday.